Thank you for coming to church on this wonderful Sunday morning. How many are happy that it's spring? Amen. How many are ready for spring weather, though? Just the Chicago weather needs to catch up with the season. So I'm happy about the longer days and the sunshine, so I will be grateful for that. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians 4.17. We are in a sermon series on the book of Ephesians. I'm so glad that you are here. Read the book of Ephesians once a week if you can, either a chapter a day or one sitting. It will take you about 20 minutes by audio. If you're a slow reader, it may take you a little bit longer, but I can read in about 20, 30 minutes. This is how we're going through the year. We're learning what the book teaches us. Paul wrote it to the people of Ephesus. Just a little lanyard something extra. I'm also going through the book of Acts chapter by chapter in our SUM Bible College. You can find it on our podcast or app as well. And we're learning this week, tomorrow, Acts chapter 19 about the city of Ephesus and how Paul saw them come to the Lord and he spent two years there. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 today is going to teach us about putting off grieving the Holy Spirit and put on pleasing God. And not only is this an important revelation to the passage that we're in, 417 through 520 as we'll read today, but it's an important concept for the whole entire book of Ephesians, the in him revelation, that we are in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because the Father sent the Son, Son died on the cross, that's what Good Friday's for, go to a life group. If you're an adult this Friday, three adult life groups having Good Friday services. And if you're a youth, go to the youth service, Good Friday service for them. But on the cross, he died for our sins, died, buried, raised again, right? That's what Easter's for. Make sure you come with your friends and family. Then he ascended to heaven. And then who did he send down? The Holy Spirit. And so now the Holy Spirit lives in us. And because he lives in us, we're now in him, in the Son, and have a relationship with the Father. Do you see how it works? If you just think about the triangle, The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Spirit. The Spirit now is in us, bringing us the Father and the Son. The Spirit is not a force. The Spirit is the third person of our triune God. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 28. That's why we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you're with me in Acts, or rather, now I'm thinking Acts, Ephesians 4, 17, can I hear you say, I'm there. Amen. Let's get it on today. Paul writing, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do and the futility of their thinking. Paul is using the word Gentile not just to refer to non-Jewish but also to refer to non-Christian. And what he says here in this part of the passage is I don't want you to think like non-Christians. Now why is that important? Because when you look at the whole summary of the book of Ephesians and all my notes are online and on the app, you see that the first four chapters, he brought up the heavenly mindset of a Christian that makes us earthly good. So don't believe the lie that you can be uh, heavenly minded and end up of no earthly good. That's a lie. Those who are heavenly minded change the earth for good. Set your minds on things above that you can change the things below. Pray thy kingdom come from heaven to earth and you'll see what God can do. Amen. So he's going through all of those things at the beginning about the heavenly mindset and then now he makes the that turn into 417 and he says therefore I'm telling you this and insist on it that you don't think like the Gentiles do now because of that thinking they're going to hell but because of Jesus and the cross you think differently on your way to heaven and then boom shakalaka when I say boom you say shakalaka boom oh boom Thank you. Boom shakalaka. He drops 17 things a Christian does to live for Christ. 
That's what you're learning right now. And if you're keeping track, we're on number seven. We do not grieve the Holy Ghost. We'll learn after this the instructions for the family and our job. We'll learn spiritual warfare and then end with the final greetings right around November. But nobody wants to think about the fall right now. Amen. All I want to think about is warm weather. But that's when we will be concluding by God's grace. So he says, I tell you this. What? All the things in the first four chapters, this heavenly mindset, and insist on it that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And how do they live in the futility of their thinking? So as you think is how you live. It's the principle of life, and their thinking is futile. Keep going. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So Ellen Degenerate, I mean Degeneres, some of you all get that. Ellen Degenerate thinks she's living the good life. And the reason why she does is because she's ignorant in her heart, darkened in her understanding of God, and her thinking is futile. But does it look like that from the outside if you're a non-Christian? No, as a non-Christian, you're in darkness too. So you don't know what makes you stumble. So you see something glittering over here. You think it's good. You don't know that it just came out of a dog's behind and it was urine and the light is the urine. Uh, you know, the, the glimmer is the, the light on the urine, on the poop. Are you listening? You think that's something good over there because you're a sinner like them. But Paul is saying, I insist on it that you don't think like them. You open your eyes to the world and you see it as God sees it. Now, as we're going to talk about the morality of God, it would be true even if none of us read it. Even if this Bible was buried, treated as an artifact, and nobody read it, it would still be true. In the time of this writing, don't, don't get it twisted. Lassie and all of those things of the 50s are not happening during the time of this writing. This is 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you about the culture. Their president, their Caesar, was a pedophile, had orgies in their White House. Their soldiers could rape and pillage at want and desire. They lived with very few morals, and if they had any, it was only one moral they probably lived by, and that was, if it feels good, do it. In this culture, the Christian is literally the thorn in their flesh because they walk around saying, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is our Lord. And they didn't have the Romans a problem with Jesus being a God. That was not a problem because they had a pantheon, literally, of gods. The problem was the Christian said, Jesus is Lord and Caesar's not. And Jesus has a standard above Caesar's standard. And they believed it even unto death. So I want to tell you now that you're seeing the, the, the clash of cultures, think it not strange, dear Christian, that your thinking and your living and your values are clashing with a culture that is futile in their thinking, darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God, and ignorant in a hard heart. Now, this doesn't mean we're angry with Ellen. I'm not angry with Trump or, or, or these things. I want them to change because I know beyond their thinking is the thinking of a treacherous fallen angel who wants to damn them to hell as a punishment to God who created them. I know that we are fighting literally against the powers of Satan who's been at this for 6,000 years. And so I understand as we get to Ephesians chapter 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood. 
but it's against these powers and these authorities in heavenly realms that are giving the thoughts to people. I'm not saying they're demon-possessed. No more than I'm demon-possessed, but you hear the thoughts. It's like a radio station. It's like you know as a radio receiver you can turn into, uh, you know, Jesus AM or Jesus FM, but you also hear this other static going on in your life, and it's up to you as your receiver to put to that dial. That's why if you haven't been to Facebook and checked me out, I put a, a, a video up of me walking in the woods, and I could hear the bubbling brook going by me, but at the same time there was traffic and I made a video and said we have a choice as Christians to hear the bubbling brook of God's word or the chaos and the intrusive noise of the devil are you listening it's a, it's a choice and so Christians have been born again not on their own uh, ability but because of God just like I wasn't born the first time of my own ability I didn't have to help my mom and dad amen and I wasn't in the womb helping my mom I'm coming mom just hold on I'm grabbing on to what I can I'm coming out no I didn't help I didn't make myself a Christian God makes me a Christian but I had the choice, though. Somebody say he has the choice. I had the choice, and somebody say now I have the choice. Amen. Verse 19, they've lost all sensitivity. That's why they're not sensitive. That's why they'll murder babies in their womb. They've given themselves over to sensuality. That means they live as wild beasts. They live as animals. They only live by what their body desires, even if it kills them. They still do it because they indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. And you may say, Pastor, you know, what is impurity and greed? Impurity is doing sexual things outside of what God said was blessed sex. Blessed sex is one man, one woman, and marriage for life. That's blessed sex. Anything sexual outside of that, lusting in the heart, uh, pornography, sex with yourself, uh, sex with others you're not married to, sex with the same sex, and all those things, that's impure. And then what is greed? Greed is wanting what's not yours. That's wanting what's not yours. And to take your life into your own hands and to try to be your own God is the height of greed, the height of pride. And so we are to give God thanks for all that he's given us and to give it back according to his commands. If he asked for 90 and told me to live off 10, then that's what I would do. If he asked me to come to church seven days a week, then that's what I would do. Because I'm not going to be greedy and just take everything from life that I feel I deserve when I didn't do anything to get here. Are you listening? I didn't make oxygen. I didn't make a brain. I didn't make these molecular, uh, the things of my molecular structure, DNA to stick together. Hello, somebody. So we as Christians, this verse 20 is not the way of life you learned. He's talking to the people when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth. Somebody say the truth. Thank you. The truth that is in Jesus. Now let me just talk to you about truth. We live in a world today where it's good to have an opinion, but it's bad to speak the truth. You see, when Ellen DeGeneres gets up and tells you her opinion, she seems vulnerable. Tear comes down her eye. You don't know what it was like. And I don't mean this mockingly, but listen, it's okay to laugh, but I don't mean this mockingly. But you don't know what it was like. I was picked on and I never felt attracted to the opposite sex. And now I feel like I can express myself. And, and that's real, right? That's real to her life, right? That's opinion, though, isn't it? But it's her, in her mind, it's her truth. I'm telling my truth. But it's still just an opinion of how she's seen life. It's like she put on a set of glasses that let her interpret the world around her as if she was made to love women and she was made to tell dirty jokes, right? And here comes Jesus. Oh, come on, Jesus. Aren't you just going to tell her that you love her? Aren't you just going to tell her you accept her just the way she is? 
No, Jesus has a truth, doesn't he? Now Jesus says to her, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And now Ellen says, no, 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 Jesus, I got life. Don't you see my house? Don't you see my marriage to Portia? Don't you see all the wisdom that I have, that I give, and I mentor other young ladies? Don't you see all the fans that I have? I have life. And Jesus says, no, you have death. You have perversion. You have immorality. You have greed. You have selfishness. You have been deceived. You are in darkness. Your thinking is futile. And now Jesus Jesus isn't so nice now, is he? He's not Barney Jesus now. Now the truth offends this person, right? And I'm just using her as an example, but follow along. The truth offends this person and now says, how dare you? How dare you tell me, Jesus, that I'm not supposed to love her? Who do you think you are? My God? I'm my own God. I know what my heart tells me, and I love her. And I'll spend my money the way I want to. And I'll tell jokes the way I want to. they do to our Jesus when he told the truth? They crucified him. They put him right on a cross and said, that's where you go, Jesus. We're in charge here. And when you live as a Christian and you tell people the truth, they will get so upset with you because they would rather you have an opinion. You you can have an opinion. You can be like me, a 41-year-old man, and have the opinion that you are a 14-year-old Filipino girl in a 41-year-old man's body, and they will applaud you and give you the Teen Award of the Year at MTV. Come on, Nickelodeon. But you stand before them and you say, God made us male and female. God made us to have marriage and family. And God did this and God is. And they'll get so mad at you. And then they'll say, don't you judge me as they're judging you. Because everybody has a God they worship. The problem is it's not always the right God. The God of heaven and earth. And so here's the thing. You were taught. You were taught line upon line. I can say like the people of Ephesus, you were taught line upon line, painstakingly as it is. I know we're reading this now for the seventh time. We're going to read this passage 17 times before we move on to the others. But you were taught the truth. Now watch. Let's go back to Ellen. You see, I'm a Christian hedonist. Look up the word hedonism. Hedonism is what the Greeks would live by, and it's living for pleasure. And it it sounds like it's bad, and it is, because the world lives after worldly pleasure. But I am a Christian hedonist. And what does that mean? I want pleasure like everybody else, but I go to the source of pleasure. Watch this. God talks to us like this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He gives to us joy, unspeakable and full of glory. This is the talk of God. Blessed in that New Testament from the Old Testament connotation. Blessed is happy is the one that's poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Have you seen the book of Revelation in the kingdom of God? Just a little bit that's there. The streets are made of gold. Happy are the poor ones who come and admit I'm nothing without that God. So this is, the, this is the divine exchange. It's actually not, it's actually not our, our $10 for Jesus' $100. This is what it's like. It's like us taking a vacation at a Chicago pothole. 
and saying, this pothole in Chicago where some of that nasty water's been, I'm going to make this my vacation. And God is saying, I have the ocean of love and joy to give you. It's literally like we have a debt we can't pay. And God says, not only will I pay your debts, but I'll make you a son or a daughter, a king's kid. The truth is, is that if Ellen could see what God offers her, it's not even fair. It's, it, it's not even close. It, it's not like trading a Toyota for a Porsche. It, it, it's not even a bicycle for a Lamborghini. It's going from dead to alive. It is going to being in darkness to being in light. Oh, I'm telling you right now, I could see Ellen repenting. I could see her giving her heart to Jesus. I can see J-Lo to stop shaking her thing, to start worshiping the Lord and filling up stadiums with the glory of God. I could see our presidents and our politicians falling on their knees in Congress and weeping before the Lord and experiencing life and influencing millions. Oh, because, my friends, I'm not here to brag about my past. Trust me, I hate my past and the sinfulness of it. But I want to tell you, my friends, some of you are mediocre sinners. And I, and I don't wish you to be more extreme than you are, but just listen to me. Some of you, you, you think I needed Jesus because I, I, I needed a crutch because I was on drugs. No, it's just you were lame and not willing to devote yourself to sin. I was all in. Some of y'all just drank and got drunk on the weekends. I got drunk every night. Some of you just smoked a little bit. I got high every day. Some of you only smoked weed. I did coke and, 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 and crystal meth and LSD. Some of you just had that steady girlfriend for a while. I said, if there ain't no God and there's no reason to be moral, then I'll have a girl every night of the week caught three STDs. Are you listening? I just, I, you see, you wanted money. I stole to get a lot of it at one time. I'm not bragging about my sin, but I'm telling you, I went to places. Some of you all don't know what that looks like yet. You're thinking this relationship will make you happy, but you haven't had enough sex with that person yet. Trust me, I've already done it, and I'll tell you what, that won't make you happy. You think a few thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars in your hands will make you happy like right now. I'm telling you, you'll spend it on Jordans, and it will be gone. Are you listening? Some of you are thinking, if I could just get this education, if I could just do this. And God is trying to tell you, a lot of that is good. That, that will bring happiness in life. It's part of God's plan, but without God, it's emptiness. And so, my friends, wake up to the truth. Jesus is saying to you, he's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He gives us more than we could ever imagine. And so those of us who are wild sinners, we can say an amen to that. Amen. And I'm thankful that God changed me. Look at what he says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. This is the Christian way that you're literally to look at the example of taking off old dirty clothes and putting on new clothes for Sunday church. You're to literally look at that as I'm taking off my old self. I don't need drugs anymore. I don't need that relationship to satisfy me. I don't need the education. Though these things may be fine, I know that my new self needs God first and foremost. I mean, just think of it like this. Without power, the computer can't run. Without gas, the car won't go anywhere. You could do a lot of great things with a computer, but the thing got to start running first, right? You can go a lot of nice places with the car, but it's got to get running first. God's got a lot of things for you in life, but you got to be born again first. 
And here's the problem is a lot of people think that Christianity is just moral deism. Just there's a God deistically somewhere out there and we just get morals. No, I don't start doing Christian stuff and then become a Christian as my son doesn't learn the ABCs and then get born. What comes first, my son learning ABCs or being born? What comes first, living like a Christian or being made a Christian? Being made a Christian. You're made a new self by taking off the old, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your what? In the attitude of your, come on, where does that attitude come from? Comes from your mind. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in what? True righteousness and holiness. So we come as sinners into the world, and God says, man, sin don't look good on you. I got something that's going to look real good on you. I got you. I got you. Come on over here. I got something tailored fit for you. Put on some righteousness. Put on some holiness. Oh, you look beautiful now. You look marvelous now. Now from that standpoint, from the place of being an astronaut with your space suit on, you go do space stuff. From the point now of being a new creation, you go do new stuff. From now being born again as a king's kid, you go do kingly type stuff. God has a plan for us. Now, I want you to stop right here and understand our message today is about not grieving the Holy Spirit. That verse is coming. So what grieves the Holy Spirit is when sinners live like sinners, right? When he sees the creation that he made, the father said to the son, go down there and make them. He makes them, the son, in his image, and then the son breathed the Holy Spirit into us, and we become alive, filled with the glory of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would cover us like light covers a light bulb. Are you all listening? But then when we sin, the Holy Spirit had to leave, and then all we had was flesh and blood. And then that grieved him to watch Cain kill his brother. Are you listening? And then all of the sin. And so it grieves God when we live like this. But guess what? It also grieves the Holy Spirit because it's for us too when Christians live like their old self. How many ever saw Coming to America, that old movie with Eddie Murphy? He's a rich prince, but he goes to work at McDowell's, doesn't he? Does that make his father happy? No, his father's upset because he's living beneath his calling. You know what? God has a calling for us, and it's to be truly righteous and holy. And so when we live beneath that, that grieves the father's heart. Now notice, from that place, all of these things come as a to-do list. Watch. Therefore. Why, why is the therefore? Because it's telling you what it's there for. Because of these things, you've got a new self. Therefore, put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. How many know anger gives the devil a foothold? You'll do things angry you never would have done otherwise. Verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Is work primarily for you to get more and more and more because your name's Jimmy and you'll take all you can give me? Or does God consider you working as a part of sharing. See, when was the last time you got a raise and said, thank God for the raise, now I can share more? When was the last time you prayed for your business to prosper so you could share more? See, the Bible says, give us, give us our daily bread. Not just me and my four and no more. Can I hear an amen? So work hard so that you may have something to share. 
Verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How many know we need to use our words properly? Verse 30 is the message today. Let's read it on the count of three. One, two, three. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. That's a power-packed verse. We'll unpack it in just a moment, but keep reading. See, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, so even as Christians, we should get rid of all these things. Get rid of what? Bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Even if the world calls those things right, we know they're wrong. What should we do? Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. When we forgive our enemies, are we saying that our enemies are right? No. What we're saying is God will be their judge, but I'm not going to drink poison expecting them to die. Number one, I don't want them to die. I want them to get saved so they don't go to hell. And then number two, I'm going to free them from the obligation that I'm their judge. Because if I keep thinking I'm their judge, I'm going to slander them. I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to be hateful. But God is their judge, and here's how it works. I forgive them like God forgave me because he's a good judge. Amen. So don't get bitter. Get better. Amen. Being bitter as a Christian was the worst time of my Christian experience. And when we get to that message on bitterness, I'll explain to you how subtle it was. The Bible says it's a subtle trick of the devil. It's a, it's a lie. It's a tactic. It's a bait that he sends out for you. Don't let it happen. Chapters and verses weren't in the original, so let's keep reading in chapter 5. Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. So that's who we are now. We're children of God. Amen. And that's our example, God's example. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave up for us, gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Somebody say Easter. See, there's the Easter message. He gave himself up. His life was not taken by force. He willingly came and died for us. Verse 3. Now notice this. He tells us what there cannot be a hint of. There cannot be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. You see why we take it serious here? Come on, can I hear an amen? I take this serious because Paul says it's improper. Now, I know some of you, you're like, man, pastor, it's hard to take you serious wearing jeans from the buckle and some, you know, lumberjack shirt, you know. But here's the thing. Religion would have you think that I've got to wear a three-piece suit to get you to understand holiness. But some of the worst people I know wear three-piece suits. Hello, somebody. Pimping pastors will mess you up. You don't need a pimping pastor behind the pulpit. What you need is just like one of them fishermen that smelled like bait that Jesus called off the shore of Galilee and said, I'll take that one to be my example. If I can do it in old rotten Peter, I can do it in everybody else. Come on, somebody. So God just loves to pick out the least among the people and say, this is the one that will hold the mic on Sundays. I'm telling you, you can be a whitewashed tomb, clean on the outside, dirty on the inside, or you can just come as you are and let God change your heart, amen? And I, I thank God I'm not dirty on the outside either, amen? I do shower. I do shave for Sundays. It's the only day of the week I shave. But I'll tell you what, though, this is the seriousness of Christianity. This should not be among us. And that's why we have a young adult church. Thank you for the older folks that come. We appreciate you, and I'm getting older, right? I'm getting more gray hair. But the idea is people look at me like, Pastor, you should be cool with me living with my girlfriend. You're a cool pastor. And I'm like, no, I'm not, because the Bible's not cool with it. I'm not here to tell you my opinion. I'm not here to tell you a verse from Deuterectomy to tell you things from my rectomy. Are you listening? Well, that's from first Deuterectomy, chapter 1, verse 3. I'm not here to speak from my rear. I'm here to speak from the Word of God. Amen. 
And I'm tired of it. I mean, I just am tired of it. It's true, and it will change your life. The Bible says when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. That's why we do have a church of a lot of young adults, a lot of cool people, and, and a lot of you know successful people is because they apply the truth. It's not based on how I dress or fashion or what's in, in vogue in culture today. Whether, like I said, it's the, uh, the empire of Rome literally going to hell in a handbasket or it's the 50s where Lassie just won the best you know, sitcom of the, of the year. It doesn't matter what culture we're in. We're Christ culture, kingdom culture, Jesus culture. Amen? So among us, there shouldn't be a hint of sexual immorality and purity or of greed. These are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So watch what you watch on Facebook. Facebook, amen? Oftentimes it starts off good, it goes bad, and sometimes people share it with me, and they're like, you know, don't pay attention to the words, Pastor. I understand, but I'm just saying, let's all guard our hearts from that, amen? Because even the words, after a while, will make you numb to it, and before you know it, you might talk like that. Because why, why should we take it serious? Because look at verse 5. For of this you can be sure. Somebody say, I'm sure of this. Come on, you don't know who's going to be the next governor, do you? You don't know how much taxes you're going to pay next year. You don't know if you're going to have a job next week. Come on. You don't know how many friends you're going to have. But I can tell you what, you can be sure of this. You can be sure of this. You don't know, young people, if you're going to have your hair by the time you're 30. Ish is already losing his hair, and he used to have a whole full head of hair. There he is right there. Now he's selling these hair products. He's like Erlacher. Have you ever seen Erlacher on the highway? And Ryan Sandberg, he's going to be on the next billboard. I'm telling you, you don't even know if you're going to have your hair tomorrow. Come on. But you can be sure of this. No immoral, impure, or a greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You get none when it comes to God's kingdom. You can be sure of that. What does it say right after that? I love Paul. He's a great preacher. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. I love that we smile and enjoy the moment, and you guys also let me be intense. Because really, the joy of a Christian knows that we believe this now. But the sad part is, and I want to prepare you for Easter, there's many of our friends and families that don't, and they're headed for hell. That's the truth of it. I know I may talk a lot about hell here because the Bible talks about hell. Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. You can't even go very far in reading one of Paul's writings without him talking about it. Come on. We're actually going to read another one of his writings in Galatians. He's going to talk Talk about it again because it's all about heaven or hell. It's all about the first Adam or the second Adam. Are you going to live in your sin or are you going to live like Jesus? Are you going to live for this earth or are you going to live for the kingdom of God to come? Are you going to make yourself God or are you going to let God be God? Come on. So don't let anybody deceive you. Because of those things, God's wrath is coming on the disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And now he makes it personal. For once you were darkness. Nudge your neighbor and say he's talking to you. For sure, you once were darkness. I know you. For sure, you were once darkness. But then now nudge him again and say, but now you are light in the Lord. I know you're light in the Lord. The Bible says you are the light of the world. Why? Because the light of the world is in us. Amen. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. It's our job to do that. Find out what pleases the Lord in every issue. So we talked about Ellen. We have an answer today for those who are same-sex attracted. You were born that way. Okay, we got it. Now get born again in the image of Christ. I was born hating people. I was born wanting to have sex with a lot of girls, okay? Now I'm born again. I have a new nature. And we'll help you understand that. 
that. We'll be patient with you. We have people in our church who have come from those backgrounds. And it's a beautiful thing when you watch lives transformed. How many of you in this church have found out what pleases the Lord and now your life is transformed? Amen. We are transformed. We are witnesses of that. If you don't know I've been transformed, let me give you some of my Facebook friends from back in my junior high, high school years. They will tell you who I was. I have been transformed by the grace of God. Amen. I wasn't always this nice and handsome and such a good father and good husband, the best. Now looking at Nancy. Amen. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's why we expose things here. I mentioned public figures because I'm a public figure. That, like I've said before, Ellen can put me on her show and mock me and call me an old fundamentalist, whatever. I'm cool with that. I'm not here to name you as an individual, as a private person, but I use public examples, and the Bible used public examples, and private examples when they started causing issues in the church. So just look at your neighbor and say, don't start no stuff. Won't be no stuff. Amen. Amen. Half kid. Read 1 Corinthians 5. Find out. Anyways, it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. And there are things going on in the world we don't mention here because we're not TMZ. We're not here to glorify sin. But we will tell you there is sin and we will expose it in a general sense. Verse 13, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. See, we're not living in darkness as the Gentile, the non-Christian. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So we are the light of the world as Christ has put his light in us. That's why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So think about Easter here again. Isn't this a great picture here? As Christ is rising from the dead, we're rising from our sin in the light of the Lord. There is a new you on the inside of you. Rise and shine, for your light has come. That's what Isaiah said. Now he says it again. Look at Paul. He you know, gives us the good stuff, right, and there encourages us, but go serious, right, again. Verse 15, be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of, uh, of every opportunity, because the days are what? The days are evil. So it's not a surprise to a Christian that the days are evil, is it? Not at all. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand the Lord's will. That's why I teach the way I do. That's why I have this big board up here. And I used to have it with a projector and had to put slides on there. If anybody remembers that from school. I mean, I used to use transparencies. Why? Because I want you to see it. I want you to hear it. I want you to smell it. I want you to taste it. I want you to feel it. I want you to know what the will of the Lord is because the days are evil. Does your neighbor smell good? Do they smell like the will of the Lord today? Amen. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, leads to stupidity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that word filled there in the Greek is a continuous action. Be filled and filled and filled. Not because you're a leaky bucket and it's leaking out, because there's just so much of God to go through you. Just imagine if I stood in the middle of a river, and I watched my kids do this because we go to the river quite a bit. They actually stood in there. And started dancing to the song, I'm Dancing in the River. Remember we used to sing that song here? I'm dancing, I'm dancing in the river. I don't know how the melody went. How'd the melody go? Dance, dance, dance in the river. That one. Yeah. Stirring up deep, deep wells. I'm going to dance in the river. Dan my kids were literally doing that in the river. A little tear came down my eye. I was like, oh, that's amazing. But here's the deal. Just imagine you standing in the river. And just letting the thing just flow right through you. Boom. The Bible says, listen, in the book of Revelation, there is the Father on the throne. Jesus is next to him. And from their thrones, plural, comes the Holy Spirit as a river. 
as clear as crystal flowing from the throne room of God. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come in you like that river and flow from you to the world around you. Amen, as we were singing today. So don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. That's why we're a singing people, a praising people. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for how many things? Everything. Thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen for God's word today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So what we look at today is we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want to live by the Holy Spirit. Here's that verse that we're looking at today in another translation. It says, do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't want to make him sorrowful. Don't want to make him offended. You know, how many of you have seen things in the world that offend you? You're, you know, maybe you're scrolling through Facebook and you're seeing one of these knockout fights and it's just like the guy's knocked out and it's like, okay, maybe he had it coming. But then they start jumping and kicking as he's knocked out. It's like, oh, man, that's too much. It's too much. You know, maybe you're watching a song that you like and you're like, man, I like this song. And then all of a sudden the naked girl comes out and you're like, whoa, too much. Come on, that grieves me. That's too much. How many of you, like I was saying before, you're watching a funny skit, you know, on Facebook and then they start getting involved too much. How much more do you think God looks at us going too much? towards the world too much. He's grieved by our behavior. He's grieved by our sin. God is a person. He's not electricity, friends. He's not the force of Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. Oh, I feel the force, man. No, he's a person. We're made in the image of God. God gets angry. God gets happy. God gets grieved. The, the image of the Holy Spirit is two distinct images. One is of the dove and also of water, which we get refreshment and we see gentleness. But he's also of fire and of power and of energy. But those are just description of him as a person. He is not a dove. He is not a river. He is not a flame. He is more than that. He is a spirit who has a personality that is sent here by Jesus to dwell with us and tell us what the Father and Son are feeling. So just how you know yourself, you are to know God. So you are to know God and to know yourself. Another way of saying is know thy God and know thyself. There is nothing like knowing thyself in the presence of thy God. I want to tell you what, so many of you, you, you drown out yourself because you don't like yourself with the social media, with the thoughts. You can't be quiet. You can't be alone. You don't like those feelings. But you need to know your God. And you need to let him tell you who you are. And love thyself. That way you can love your neighbor as thyself. Come on. So know thy God and know thyself. And you'll see that he gets sad. He gets happy. And you'll have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? As I said, he's not a force. He's a person. Matthew 28, 19 teaches us that. Now, each one of these things the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit, as you hear them, if you believe them and receive them, can I hear an amen? He convicts us of sin. He permanently dwells us. He seals us. He teaches us. He guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit reminds us of God's word. The Holy Spirit bears fruit through us. He comforts us, gives us spiritual gifts. He fills us, empowers us, brings judgment, gives us the mind of Christ, and gives us the identity of Christ. Amen. Aren't those beautiful things? Isn't that the kind of person you want to get to know today? 
There was an old TV evangelist who wrote a book, and I give him credit for this title, though he got weird in his later years, but he wrote a book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. I love looking at the mirror and saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Not that I'm saying I'm the Holy Spirit, but I get to see a little bit of what he sees in me that day. And I acknowledge him as I look at myself and I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And I know it sounds weird, but then I go into the shower and I always like to say, Holy Spirit, as I sense the shower coming on me now, would you come all through my life, every part of my day? I acknowledge you are here. You didn't go anywhere, but I just acknowledge that you're here. Flow through me, Holy Spirit. Oftentimes when I'm in arguments, I have to stop and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? When I feel sad and I go through hard times, I talk to the Holy Spirit and I say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to go through this tough time? When I buried my sister, you guys know that was one of the toughest times of my life. The Holy Spirit was there with me. The Bible literally says that the Father and Son are on literal thrones right now, but that they're also with us right now. So is that a contradiction? No. Because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are not separated. They are inseparable. Even though they are separate in personality, they share the same divine essence, the same divine nature. So that's why Jesus said in John 14, 15, and 16, I send another, in the Greek, Elion, another like me, and he will be with you always and be there as a comforter, a parakletos in the Greek, a helper, your defender, and your strengthener. And he says, where he is, then Jesus says, plural, the Father and I will be as well. Some people wrongly teach that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are just manifestations of one God. Just like when I come here, Joe, I'm your pastor, Joe. When I go home, I'm Father Joe. When I go into the bed with my wife, I'm husband Joe. Now I'm still the same Joe, right? Some people think God's that way. Sometimes he's the Father, sometimes he's the Son, sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. That's the false belief of oneness Pentecostals, the ones who dress weird, who don't let their women wear makeup, don't cut their hair. Come on, are you listening? You've seen them around town. We pray for them. They have a wrong belief. It's a heretical belief. There's not one God manifesting in three different ways. There is one God in three persons eternally. They have a perfect unity of love. They love each other and self-sacrifice for each other. That's why God didn't need you to create you. He already had love amongst himself. And that's why in the beginning it says, let us, plural, make man in our image, plural. And then the plural image of God is reflected in plural persons, male and female, to make children. Male, uh, mother, father, children. Three, made in the image of God, father, son, spirit. Now sometimes people like to say that the spirit, it must be the feminine side of God. And some cults actually believe that's a mother God, or that the Holy Spirit is feminine, but that's not true. He is identified in masculine terms, just like the Father and the Son are. Yet, the Bible says, when we were made in the plural image of God, we came out male and female able to procreate. So there's something beautiful about femininity that is in God. He's not a he-she, he's not a hermaphrodite, but there's something beautiful about that. But his predominant title is masculine, and we'll understand that further in eternity. Amen? Amen. Come on, y'all just got confused a little bit. The Bible says he seals us. The, the illustration here is the sealing of an important document. You are that scroll that's, that the Lord has written on with his hand, the plan of your life, your personality, the uniqueness of who you are. Nobody can do you like you. And the Bible says that the new you is the expression of God. And it's so precious that the you you are right now in Christ, he wants to hang out with for all of eternity. So he's going to guarantee you get there, and he seals you with his presence. 
Now, is he a divine kidnapper? Does he force you to stay? No. Once you're saved, you're not always saved. You can make the choice not to be saved, but no one or no devil in hell can make that choice for you. He seals you, and no one can take you out of his hands. The Bible says he does this until the day of redemption. We're all getting married to Christ. We're the bride of Christ. We will be resurrected in beauty and splendor. The example of a bride is beautiful and pure. And I know we usually think of white and and all of those things, but this is the only kind of beautiful picture I could find here that was kind of magical in a sense. So use your imagination. We're married to Christ in the resurrection of our body. And what that means is as he took on a physical body and was raised in a glorified body, our sinful body will die and we will get a glorified body. So we're not going to be in heaven for long disembodied. We come back with a new body. Can I get an amen from somebody? You were not made to be a disembodied spirit like Casper the ghost. You're made to live upon God's green earth. You will live upon an earth that's not ethereal. It will not feel like dreamlike. You will eat in the kingdom of God. You will work for the glory of God as Adam and Eve did. And that's the body you get. And who gives you that body? The Holy Spirit. Watch. In new birth, he births you into the spirit and gives you a new spirit now. You have a new spiritual nature. And when you get a new spiritual body, it comes from the Holy Spirit. So the day of redemption is wrapped up by what the Holy Spirit does in you. That's why Jesus said if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again in John chapter 3, born of the spirit. How many have been born again? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say that was the introduction. Amen. But my message is a lot lot shorter than my introduction. Here's the message. So we don't want to grieve the Spirit. We want to please the Spirit, right? Amen. So how do we do it? Let's just go to another one of Paul's writings. It's Galatians 5, 19 through 25. Open it up in your Bible if you want. I just broke it down into this helpful graph. 5.19 starts off, Paul says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity. Remember I told you he always goes on these lists. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. They were crazy back then like they are now and the like. Now watch what he says. I warn you as I did before. So this must have been popular preaching for Paul. He would always talk like this. I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that sound familiar from what we read from him in Ephesians? Let there be no hint of this among you, and you can be sure of this. You won't inherit the kingdom of God. How many remember we just read? Are you in church today? Okay, thank you. He says the same thing there. That's called the flesh. Somebody say the flesh. But now, that verse 21 goes right into verse 22. Look at what he says. But, somebody say but. How many are thankful for the big old buts of the Bible? There's a big old button there, and I cannot lie. I like it there, and I can't deny. Amen? Because I'm glad I just don't stay in the flesh. I get to the Spirit. It's okay to laugh in church. He says, you're not going to go to heaven like this, but the fruit of the what? The fruit of the Spirit, let's read it together, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You can have as much love as you want, as much joy as you want, peace and patience forevermore. Praise God. You need faithfulness? The Holy Spirit says, I got all that you need. Come on and get it. You need patience? I know I do. God says, I got all that you need. Now watch this. See the example with Easter again, right? See the example. Here it is. But Jesus said, if a seed remains alone, that's all that it is. It's just a seed. 
But if it falls into the earth and dies, it will produce many, fruit, many seeds in its fruit. Anybody remember Jesus saying that? Jesus died as the seed that the Holy Spirit could be planted in us and produce the fruit, the character of Christ. Literally, the resurrection of Jesus is the stamp of a new humanity, of what now we are made in the image of. Jesus died that the Spirit could grow in us. And then he goes on, verse 24, so those who belong to Christ Jesus. How many belong to Jesus today? If you haven't, you can by the end of this service. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So when you go to a Good Friday service this Friday and you hear about the death of Jesus and what he did, think of your flesh on that cross. He died for your flesh to be crucified, for your darkness, for your futility and your thinking, for your ignorance. He died for our sins so that we might live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. That's the resurrected life, a spiritual life. Can I hear an amen? So let me say this in closing. I promised I wouldn't be long in the message. A short message, right? Took us a while to get there, but it was worth it. But I want you to hear this today from my heart. There is no relationship that can compare it to the relationship you will have with the Holy Spirit. Now that as, as a Christian, I have been married for 12 years this June will be 13 years. Praise God. Thank you. All glory to God. Five children, sixth in the oven, pastoring for over 20 years. That's why I have all this gray hair at 41. Uh, pastoring for over 20 years. I started at 22 years old. I have many good friends. My wife and my children are my heart. But there is a place in my heart that people can't go to the depths of who I am. And the Bible literally says this. There's a, there's a pain that no man can know. There's a place that no one can go, but the Holy Spirit goes. And then there's a joy that no man can know as well, but the Holy Spirit knows. And I don't know what it will look like for you because we all have different personalities. See, you are a spirit that manifests through your physical body with a personality. And the Holy Spirit has a unique way of interacting with you, and he'll have a unique way of interacting with me, because we all don't think the same. Some of you, the Holy Spirit may come and speak to you, you know, just really gentle all the time. The Holy Spirit does not speak to me gentle all the time. Holy Spirit's sassy with me, because the Holy Spirit knows I need the sass, right? Like I've told you before, I'll be in an argument with my wife, and I'll say, as I'm going on my prayer walk, you know, Holy Spirit, that's what she needed to hear because I'm the head. And the Holy Spirit will say, well, Jesus is your head, and Jesus doesn't talk to you like that. See, that's how I hear the Holy Spirit, and I know I'm not crazy. Come on. But I want to tell you, I've been through so many times, I just, I can't name them all, but maybe just a few, where I couldn't see what was ahead, and the pain in my heart was so deep and so real and it was in those moments I sensed the Holy Spirit heal and guide and do what nobody could do. I remember going through a time in the church where I felt like I might have to shut down the church. I didn't know what to do. This was many years ago. And my wife couldn't get through to me. Just her words were just bouncing right off. And there's no, no greater pain for a wife to watch her husband go through that. Come on. Some of you have been there. And it's just her words were bouncing. I couldn't hear them. I couldn't, I couldn't receive them. Call it pride, call it hurt, all of that. Yes, I agree. But it's just bouncing right off. But the Holy Spirit, he met me right where I was at. 
And just like how he came in the form of a dove with Jesus, he just sat upon my shoulder and he began to tell me, this is not who you are, son. I didn't make you to identify with your pain. You are in pain, but you are not that. You are righteous. You are whole. You are beautiful. And he began to show me a different image because all I saw myself then was broken. All I saw myself then was a failure. But the Holy Spirit showed me, that's not who you are. I made you for so much more. And then there were other times when I was a young man starting off in Christianity, as many of you in this church, some of you haven't been saved more than a few years. I remember being tempted and, and just thinking to myself, who cares, really? Will anybody care if I look at pornography right now? Will anybody care if I do this thing I'm not supposed to? I mean, who would even know? I'm so alone. I mean, I was all by myself in that first church. And I just remember one time being in a hotel room by myself, about ready to hook up with a girl that I met on Christian online dating, and I just knew it was going to get nasty. Some say nasty. <laughs> Don't even look at me. I'm embarrassed. I made a nasty face. Nasty. I'm in that hotel. I'm in that hotel, and I'm like... I am a single man. I know what it's like to have sex. I've already broken the commands. I have this idea of the pleasure. And God is telling me, son, that is not what you want right now. And I remember calling her up saying, we're not going to hook up. We're not going to meet. It was just, I just, I'm sorry I had to say the word dropper, but I just had to drop her. I was like, no, can't do it. You know how many of my friends lost their ability to be pastors because they made that one wrong call. They picked up the girl, you know, they made out, then they had, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, just, I was one phone call away. But see, the Holy Spirit was there. And not only in those times, let me just say this one, a couple, a couple other stories. The power of the Holy Spirit. See, we all need power. We all need motivation. We know what it's like to be worn out in life sometimes, fatigued, you know. For me, it's after a long weekend. Today, I preach two services. I got a two-hour meeting with the elders and deacons, and then I do a one-hour meeting with the youth. I'll have done about six hours with the talking, talking, talking. And when I go home today around five or six, I will be fatigued. I will be tired, Right? And my mind is just weak. And in those moments, you just don't feel right. You don't feel like yourself. You need food. You need to rest. You need to laugh. You need another day to start and, and to start over, right? But I will sense the Holy Spirit show me pictures of what life looks like through his eyes. Ooh, I'm telling you, I just goosebumps now. I feel Jesus. He'll show me pictures of my children in their 20s sitting around a table. Because we've already read the scripture of him doing things greater than our imagination, right? So we know about this. He can use our imagination. He'll say, he'll say, do it for your kids. Stay strong. And I'll get that motivation. It's, it's more than just like, I'm going to work so I can provide for my kids. It's like, not only for them, but for their, their, the legacy of them knowing God. It's more than just them knowing they had a house over their head, right? A roof over their head. And then there's other times where people hurt me and they just put me down and you don't think it hurts because I'm a bold pastor and I'm sassy too but sometimes those words just echo in my head and you can ask my wife I say I just can't get these words out of my head I just can't get the discouragement to stop and she'll just look at me and she'll start speaking the words of God and like I said they'll go deep I'll feel them in those times you know when I open up but I'll have to go on that prayer walk and God will say son I forgive you I love you I'm with you this is what I think about you and then he'll show me the cross 
and I'll see Jesus dying on the cross, and I'll see him saying, I'm doing this because I love you That's what it's like walking with the Holy Spirit in Joe's shoes. I challenge you this week to go to your 101-er, go to your life group, and ask your leaders, what's it like walking with the Holy Spirit in your shoes? Because there are stories after stories after stories of what people in this church have been through. People in this church who have been saved longer than me, gone through more than what I've gone through, they will tell you of the faithfulness of our God. It's because the Holy Spirit is ever-present. He is with us. Amen. If you love the Holy Spirit, let's stand up and give him a hand clap of praise. We love you, Holy Spirit. We are grateful for all that you do in our life. Glory to the God of the Father, the Son, and the precious Holy Spirit. Altar workers and band, would you come? We're going to have a time of, of prayer at these altars, and this is what I want us to do. If you're not saved, born of the Spirit, please come. Let them pray with you. If you are saved, but you've been going through some stuff, let them pray with you, okay? And then if you're here and you have not been baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, which we're going to do in about 30 seconds, come up and let them pray so you don't leave out here feeling like you're left out of the party. Because there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't. One more time. Well, there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't. Amen. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you for today. Start the party in us. Save those who need to be saved. Empower those who aren't living the way they should and fill those with the Holy Spirit who have not yet been filled. Those who have been filled, would you speak in the languages of angel and of heaven right now? There are heavenly languages that angels speak that no man can teach us. And we're going to pray in those tongues right now. And if you want to receive it as a believer, just raise up your hands. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, listen to the sound of heaven and to speak it out right now. We're going to pray in the Spirit for a few moments. We're not weird. We're just wired to heaven. We're touching heaven right now. There is power for miracles right now. This is how it begins. The disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues in Acts chapter 2. Let the Lord rev up your spiritual engine today. Oh, yes, Lord.